So I want to become a dog trainer. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www.dogwise.com, you can have a look at their catalogue. And when you get to your shopping cart at the end, just type in the coupon code, which is BARKBOOK, all one word, B-A-R-K-B-O-O-K, and they'll give you a whopping 10% off. Enjoy! Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs Barks from the bookshop, here we go Hey!
box from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and box from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and box from the bookshop Hello Guess who's back <laughs> We already back again We already have been back though but not Yeah This is a book review show Proper one An old classic Yeah Exciting Exciting And we've got some more lined up haven't we So we're 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 back in the room Oh good golly we've got lots yeah. of things lined up Um as everyone knows by now we've been we've been a, a wee a tad busy <sighs> Oh yeah. Before we launch into that, we should probably say, shouldn't we? Well, describe describe where we oh, are. Yeah, now. we're we're sat not too far from um from the tits that Steve often talks about. Oh, yeah, yep. We're in my garden. <laughs> so we were it's outside. Yeah, recording. J- Jay Jay is working from home today in the office, and we thought it's very sweaty. So why don't we set up outside? So you might hear some little birdies. The birdies. You might hear. Little butterflies fluttering. I know. You might hear as a robin a right now. Can see a robin barking. Yeah, well, you will hear. Yeah. At some point. You might hear one of my ducks quack. We might have to. Um, uh, that's not a euphemism. <laughs> uh, uh, we might have to, like, if someone fires up a strimmer or something, yeah. <laughs> uh, we might have to uh, do some sharp edits. But yeah. it's very nice being outside, it's lovely, isn't, isn't it? it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's only what time is it now? Uh, it's like twenty past eleven, and it's it's hot. I know. Mind you, I just feel bad because I've spent the last couple of months saying, "Where's the summer?" So I'm not moaning about it being hot at all. That's just... the quintessential British problem, isn't it? Yeah. About the like moaning about when it's not sunny, then moaning about it being hot as soon as it yeah. gets sunny. Uh, it's a classic. Yeah. It's what makes us uh, British. Indeed. Indeed. And, you know, you can always have a conversation with a random about the weather because it's so changeable. Exactly. Exactly. So we obviously we've we've um, released a special episode, which actually just fell on our our number 40. That was our 40th episode. It was was almost as if you did it on purpose. No, Yeah, it was almost, but I do nothing on purpose. So (laughs) it was just just a happy coincidence. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. And that's all about uh, our new venture. Yeah are dipping our toes into revolutionising and helping to regulate the dog training Indeed. industry. Just in our spare time, you know. Just in just, our spare time. You know. um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you can go and listen to that for all of those, uh, episode 40, for all of those details about what Please do. Nat, IJ and Corin are getting up to now. Super, super exciting stuff. But that's why, obviously, again, we've we've been on a bit of a hiatus, a bit quiet. We have been a bit quiet. Because, I mean, diaries just went bonkers as well, didn't they? Where we were sort of coming out of lockdown. Yeah. Um, just can't just can't train enough dogs quickly enough. No. Um, yeah, I we just got... It was an avalanche of inquiries, um, which is good in some ways. Hard mm-hmm. work in others. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's... Either everyone's decided they want to train their dogs or everyone went and got a dog or... Yeah. I'm not, I think it's a bit of everything. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Let's put it that way. I had some wonderful group classes, some really, really wonderful group classes. We, we actually did a, we did a thing where we, um, decided that anyone that was going to join our, our follow on classes. 
So we have like puppy classes that we run, yeah. uh, and then we have follow-ons from those puppy classes. We have a life skills, a bronze, life skills, silver, gold, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And we, before, we'd set our bronze class up so uh, people with sort of adolescent or older dogs that just want to do some training can come and join. But what we actually did after after um, the last lockdown lifted, we decided that we were going to... Uh, make everyone do an assessment that wants to join that class for people that we haven't seen before. And Very good idea. Yeah. So you can see where they are and it's actually what it, their skill level is, I guess. It's really, really helped. And it's made those classes really uh, lovely to do. It's yeah. really nice because you already know everyone um, and, they're, and they're like a little community. It's nice. Yeah, I definitely found that when I was doing uh, classes. I, I just did them invite only so that i knew the dogs and knew what they'd need and you know you can accommodate Ooh, first base <laughs> tit, tit watch what what tit is that that i couldn't quite see his head but i think it's a great tit great tit ah uh, sorry great. interrupting you there you shouldn't have sat me in front i'm, I'm staring know, at I'm the bird i'm facing feeder. the wrong way if i go quiet it's because i'm craning my neck round and moving away from the mic to look at the bird feeder this is a bad idea already i'm such i'm like that dog in bloody um, yeah. up squirrel squirrel <laughs> there is a resident squirrel that comes round as well so you might actually be able to do dog 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 so um yeah that's been really really good i'll tell you what else i wanted to talk about what uh i found a uh, uh a common lizard in my field yes you did oh my goodness how exciting i've never seen i don't think i've ever seen a lizard in uh the british isles before i'm pretty sure have you seen a slow worm well, yeah, that is a type of lizard you're it gonna is, tell me that a legless you? lizard oh, no, a legless lizard yeah little fish fishes come over now to say hello see to what me. i did there i just like seam- seamlessly got some herpetological Herpetology uh, uh, knowledge in there. Easy for me to say. Okay. Herpetological. Yes. I, I'm annoyed with myself because I did look up because um, I was trying to Google what sort of the lizard was and yeah. it came up with slow worm and I was like, oh, yeah. a legless lizard. A legless lizard. That's why I call myself a slow human on a Friday night because I'm, I'm a legless <laughs> human. <laughs> Ba-boom. Uh, that where, was exciting. Where was he? I can't remember. Didn't he was in my paddock. Up? He was crawling around. I'd left the grass quite long. I hadn't mowed it for a couple of weeks. And I went in there with uh, a lovely um, a doggy guardian and his little cockapoo. And the cockapoo was getting very excited over in the corner. So I went over to have oh. an investigation. And my little lizard was doing a runner, obviously. Thinking, yeah. ah, cockapoo. Yeah. Like we all do. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I scooped him. I wouldn't normally scoop, but I, he needed, he was in certain cockapoo pew cockapoo <laughs> we're really out of practice aren't we cock-a-pew. we're falling all over I'm our words say that to any cockapoo owners when they come into the paddock sit down cockapoo <laughs> <laughs> that's what you should say for a sit for a cockapoo shouldn't yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah anyway i saved him from cockapoo oh well done cock-a-poo-da. did he throw his tail he didn't. He... No, okay, he was good. quite. That's he what was... I always worry about. He was quite happy. Mm-hmm. Is that a defence mechanism of yeah. like something grabs hold of my tail, shed it? Yeah, they basically sort of throw some. Of... They can um, dislodge their vertebrae in their tail so that they basically. It's a bit like me and you having a detachable arm that we could throw at a lion while mm-hmm. the rest of our body runs away. Got... So they're busy with our twitchy arm. Uh, that's what. Yeah, lizards do. So nice. you'd have to be very careful if you're handling them so that they don't feel threatened and they don't throw their tail. I've got uh, detachable morals <laughs> as a safety mechanism sometimes. <laughs> I drop them quite, quite often. <laughs> 
um yeah so that was nice and there's only other one of one other type of lizard i can't remember is it a sand lizard yes and i i assumed when i googled because it was quite hard to see like the markings and stuff like that i um i assumed the sand lizard lived in the sand so anyway. yes yeah yeah like uh sort of um very specialized habitat so it's quite it's quite rare I was privileged. To see a sand lizard. I was quite happy because we've let the, all of the grass grow in certain places. Obviously, the council still cut some of our, our field up there because we, we rent it off the council. Um, but it's lovely up there at the moment. I'm sure your field is absolutely gorgeous at the moment. I haven't been down there for a while, but it's just nice, isn't it, to see that sort of wildlife yeah. co cohabiting. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, yeah, we've got I've got my pond, haven't I, down the field. So we've had loads of um, dragonflies that are huge and um yeah you have to watch where you're going because they fly past you and if one of them hit you in the head you'd know about it you really would yeah it would make a serious donk yeah what's the difference between a dragonfly and a damselfly damselfly is um that damselflies are genuinely or generally even smaller and um more fragile looking but the main thing is that when they land Damselflies put their wings together behind them, and dragonflies have their wings Out. apart. Yes. Ah. So we went to a be- we went on a beautiful walk to a wildlife trust sort of nature reserve place, and I saw my first ever kingfisher yeah. in the wild. And I it was really funny because I went we went for a picnic and we found this spot by this little babbling like stream and it was beautiful it was like a postcard yeah and i sat and and we just talked because we seen a sign saying that there were kingfishers about i was like oh my god i hope i see a kingfisher and not i i'm not telling a lie here (laughs) as soon as i sat down one flew literally as soon as my buttocks hit the floor one flew past down the stream now i didn't see see it but i saw something sort of iridescent blue yeah you don't you i mean you know like the quintessential kingfisher photo where they're on a perch and they're fishing yeah it's very very rare it's very rare you actually see that and most of the time not to ruin it for everyone photographers have put a stick in the stream yeah i did figure there were a few little like points along the stream where i wondered if people had put things there to try and get them to sort Um, of yeah so most of the time yeah you just see that that kind of mermaid blue, isn't it? It's really. I, I was like, <gasps> I was like, Corin, Corin, Corin. I, I just saw a kingfisher. She was like, Yeah, right. Like, obviously, like you would be. Like, literally, the second I sat down, I was like, No, no, no. Honestly, and I was like, It flew that way. It'll probably be flying back. Yeah. At some point. Um. So we uh we waited, and then about three minutes later, shum. Well, that's not too bad way. because usually that would be like a two-hour wait, and you're like, "Oh, I have to." Get well, we up see, it happened four times wow. past us, and then when we got up and looked back along the stream, we saw two fly wow. up. So, and that was a better view. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it was jump, jump. Otherwise, um, but that was great. One more wildlife story. I didn't realize I had so many stories. Yeah, you've got some. <laughs> kind of a tangent. It's that kind of time of year, though, isn't it? Where so I've tried to wildlife. teach a couple of crows a recall at the field, uh, and right. it was a big mistake. Um, because now what they do is when I get to the field, they, they fly down to the paddock and sit on my gazebo frame, just going, right. like, shouting So what at you've me. done there is failed to think through the yeah. annoyance I quite like them. of training a recall with a call. I realize how loud they are. Yeah. And that they also like to, so they sit all around the paddock in the place where I am now and they, uh, 
and they always sit on the bits where so like on the top of the gate they sit there yeah. so they like to poo on top of there yeah. obviously so that's where you want to put your hand when you're opening the gate so yeah. I've, I've fallen foul of that a few yeah. times <laughs> uh yeah they poo on all of the seats that i sit on inside mm-hmm. the paddock now <laughs> so i have to wash them down every time i go in there and they just then they just scream at me but i have got it i do i do a i do that noise yeah and they come flying down to the paddock wow. and then i throw some food down for them amazing yeah. yeah they're cool they're very very, very cool very good. they're clever and they're really handy for using if dogs if you've got bird chasing dogs because they're they're bold oh, yeah, they're yeah. bold as brass yeah, oh, I'll tell yeah you. completely we've got one that follows us around the field as well mm. and yeah he, he knows he can just take off and that's it did you hear that toot toot then no nope. there was a sort of horn type noise you might hear it again in a moment it's one of my neighbours because they've got a very long garden mm. and the kids play up the end. So that's how they call them back in for lunch. So it must be lunchtime. Right a now. child recall. It, basically, yeah. <laughs> but um, he works on the on the railways and it's oh. it's the horn that they use to warn peop- engineers that the train is coming. Oh, everyone so rewind the podcast back a little bit and see if <laughs> yeah, you can hear it. it. It'd be interesting if it came out on the mic. To call children in for, for What a great idea. Yeah, it I is. I could do with that. I could do with that. Call Corin down from upstairs. <laughs> I'll ask him if you could get you on. Any news then, Nat? I've been blabbering. What you no, got? Anything? Any, nice anything happened? Uh, What's been going on? What's going down in Nat Town? What's going down in Nat Town? I'm just really busy with work. Mm. Um, and um, Drax is nearly there. We're getting in the van. Yeah. So that's that's probably what we're focusing on. The if most. people are following Drax's Galactic Adventure, imminent? Would you say that imminent. day? That post? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then it got hot and it's just not, he really struggles in the heat. So mm. there's no point taking him somewhere where he's going to have the best time of his life um, when he's going to be knackered after two minutes. Mm. So we just need, wait for a bit of cooler weather. Got up to the point now where he'll jump in while I'm stood right there. So we just need him to jump in once I can shut the door. Off we go. That'll be so good. What a day that will be. Yeah. But yeah, just been... Just had quite a lot of work, um, lots of different projects and stuff, and packed stuff, keeping me busy, and yeah, all good, but just busy, busy bee, mm-hmm. busy, busy bee. So then, uh, as we as we alluded to, this is a book review show. We've asked people some questions. We've got some questions coming up at the yes, end so as yeah, well. Yeah, thank you. Um, guys. Thank you very much to everyone. Um, uh, we've been sitting on this interview for. Uh, because the pack thing happened straight after we got in touch with uh, Jesse and Robert, uh, we've been sitting on this one for yeah, a while, I right? I can't remember when it was, actually. Was it May? I think it was earlier than that. Oh, I gosh. think it was maybe even March. Oh, Sorry, April. guys. Sorry that we yeah. um, kind of put you on a, they've you been on a in, shelf. They've, they've been in touch. They're like, oi, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, exactly. I don't blame it. It was such a lovely interview though really it's very emotional i don't i don't say this lightly when i say uh i i think it's one of my favorites for sure um uh a great subject a great book thanks to zazzy as well actually it was yeah um, zazzy gave us the heads up didn't she yeah i i saw um uh a little blog she'd written about it i think she she interviewed i think it was jesse she interviewed so i forgot that wrong um but um and then I thought, wow, what an amazing sounding book. So I reached out to Zazzy and Zazzy, as usual, Zazzy always sorts us out. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much, Zazzy. 
Anyone She's like an amazing networking Rolodex, isn't she? We just go, do you know this person? Oh, Anyone yeah, that doesn't you. follow her companion animal psychology. Yeah, she's fantastic. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It is brilliant. Um, but yes, so the book, the book is When Dogs Heal, Powerful Stories of People Living with HIV and the Dogs That Saved Them by Jesse Friedlin, Zach Stafford, Christina Garofalo and Robert Garofalo. Best names ever, Garofalo. I love yeah. that. I love that name. Um, and it's when dogs heal. H e a l. I've not got a, about I, heal work or obedience. I've got an admission to make. What? I didn't put the two things together until we were in the, in the I, there. I had a dawning moment when we were talking yeah. in the interview about the heal and heal thing. I'm not yeah. sure if this was actually mentioned in the book, which would be very embarrassing. But um, yeah, I didn't. It, when they said, I was like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. See what you did there. Yeah. Um. So it is a different kind of book, isn't it? It really is. It's well. Um, should we? Should we? Before we go in, should we? Should we go for a why read it? Seems yeah, let's like do it. it. Seems like let's, yeah, moment. let's. Uh, I've forgotten the format of everything, <laughs> but let's try and stick to what we usually do. Learn by doing. All right. Why read it? Why read it? Why? Wow. Oh, why? A little, sp- little tiny spider walking across the book. Oh, that's cute. And a little spider. Why read it? Um, yeah. Um, so it's not our usual um, subject. Well, it's about dogs, actually. I think we're probably. Yeah, I would also say it's not. It's not a, st- a standard read. Like you wouldn't sit down no. and read it in one go. But the way that it's kind of formatted is basically a, a sort of um, compilation, isn't it, of mm. stories. Um, It'd make a good coffee table book. It's, yeah. like, it's like a cathartic coffee it table really read, is. isn't it? Like, yeah. And um, I'm not saying that um, you, you can't sit down and read it all in one go because it is quite addictive as well, actually. I did you read, read it all Yeah, in you, one read, go. So, you yeah. read one of the stories and then you think, oh, I'll just read one more. I'll just yeah. read one more. Um, uh, it's just lovely. A really lovely book. Um, very, very insightful. Yeah. In terms of the world of having a a positive HIV diagnosis mm-hmm. and what that means for your mental health and your quality of life and um it was yeah, a real eye opener for me yeah. i i always it's scary to step outside your comfort zone in terms of what you can talk about and things so i was really nervous for the interview um for that reason alone like you never want to be the idiot do you know what I mean? oh you just don't want to say the wrong no, thing exactly. and use the wrong terminology and upset someone or exactly you know not that we're going to sort of bulldoze in and but you, you know it is a sensitive subject let's be honest it, yeah it is oh, but luckily enough jesse and robert were just the, the loveliest people and so open and yeah it yeah. was brilliant so format wise the book so so you've got these stories about all these people um different people i can't remember how many there is in total um a lot um and each person has a photograph by jesse who is a, a world-renowned yeah uh, photographer um so not only do you get the stories which are just amazing but you also get these these pictures of the people with their dogs and i i I mean you just you go through and you just look and it's just amazing and he's got such a lovely style hasn't he because it's not i mean it is posed as in they're in a studio and you know Mm -hmm. sometimes they're looking at the camera but i i think i remember him talking in the interview about how you know it's it was the sort of essence of the relationship that he likes to capture yeah and he certainly gets that i mean they're just lovely lovely 
little like you feel like you're kind of peeking in on a moment yeah and that, i think that's the beauty we definitely go into this in the interview don't we but that is the beauty of it there's obviously the, there's you just it's the moments that he's captured those moments so perfectly well also we were saying before weren't we like everyone in this book has got great names for their dogs yeah they either rhyme hoot and sploot is one of them <laughs> uh yeah there's, there's it's great. such an eclectic mix of <laughs> of dog breeds and names and people with really cool style and yeah. tattoos and yeah y- you know it's just <laughs> made me feel like my life is fairly boring no offense <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I definitely through. haven't got as much character as any of these lovely people in the book oh, but you have got a new tattoo though i have got yeah. a new tattoo yeah, yeah, we about yeah. At the beginning yeah. yeah it's just it's just wonderful and obviously each story um i don't want to give too it's one of those ones where you don't want to give too much away yeah. about anything so i don't i don't want to talk about too much of the body of the stories and we go into it a little bit in the interview so that so um you know um look forward to that when it comes along but but each story kind of goes through people, um, you know, what maybe they were doing before they got the diagnosis, mm-hmm. when they got the diagnosis, how it affected them, and then how what has happened, like how a dog in some way, shape, or form has joined that journey. Yeah. Um, and either helped them in some way, shape, or form, or or given them a moment of hope. Uh, yeah. It's wonderful. It is, like I say, it's wonderfully cathartic. I And I did read it all in one go, in the bath. Oh, I'd say that's the perfect place to read this. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a big book, though. You ever have those, mate? You know, when you're like in bed and you're and you're reading your phone and then you drop it on your face. Oh God, yeah. I did that a few times. Yeah, if I remember. It, <laughs> I can't. I can't sing its praises enough. As ever, you know, th- this is a um, it's a recommends, not a review show. We always say that, don't we? We should have that printed somewhere. Yeah, we should. Um, uh, uh, so we're it, always gonna recommend the books. Yeah, but... we. I mean, yeah. Why would we want to? talk about something we didn't enjoy and he wants to do that i think this is um unique unique is good a lovely gift yeah yeah a fabulous gift an absolutely fabulous gift so yeah if you have got birthdays and it's not one that i've seen on many people's shelves to be perfectly honest and i think it is it's kind of a a different way of getting a dog lover a gift isn't it because it's a different if you don't if you're not sure what um training books they've got for example um it's just you know all about the power of the positivity of of dogs and what they can bring to our lives and what they've brought to the lives of people that thought it was going to be the end of their life i don't think we need to do a prick my eye for this one because because i i think yeah again i don't want to give too many things away but uh i think the thing that really struck me a lot of the time is the kind of the kind of book is set up and I think this is this is on purpose and again this is covered in the interview a little bit but um I think the book really speaks to how much we can save each other yeah you know and that interspecies relationship and how valuable it can be and how much it can motivate you know obviously that's not the experience all the time um I think when we spoke to um Maria Goodovich yeah. um, about Dr. Dogs. There's a, there's a good, there's a really, really good um, part of that book where they talk about the dangers of having, uh, having to look after a companion animal when you are in certain situations and things. I think that the other side of that coin is something. Yeah. And, and also Carrie, Carrie Westgarth writes mm. in her book about, um, you know, the are science. these all actual yeah. positives that these dogs bring us? And I think, 
Um, I remember saying to Corin the other day, I was like, there's all of these people talking about the fact that they reduce dogs reduce stress levels and I goes, these guys are going to put me in an early grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mainly cause I I'm don't gonna, mean that, obviously. I'm going to trip over a baby gate at some point and crack my head open. Goodness me. When I've placed my... my blue bone at the top of the stairs <laughs> oh my god i near yeah i nearly broke my ankle the other day oh by the way love to Penel who has actually broken oh, her yes. ankle um because someone had put a hoof under a bed and i trod on the bed and uh, i rolled over on it and... <laughs> anyway i digress that really isn't a, a anything bad to go through uh compared to some of the people in this book <laughs> no, sure. who are like so open and lovely about their their stories and it's just you know the hope that they have and just the strength uh, that they have found in relationships i think it really gave me a sense of um i mean there's so much stuff going on in the world at the moment isn't there and it can all feel a bit doom and gloomy where but and and the subject matter of this book could also be quite doom and gloomy, mm. but it's really not. It, I found it really uplifting and, yes, em- emotional, um, but in a very good way, in a sort of humbling, my goodness, um, perspective way. Yeah, it did. It, it, it left me feeling good. Yeah. And that's the that's the thing, isn't it? It left me feeling good. There's there uh, there's some wonderful phrases in this book, and one that um, that's always stuck in my mind is uh, radical empathy. <laughs> like um i can't remember which story it was but someone describes that you know they learnt the power of radical empathy and a lot of the times actually you we were talking about this a lot of the times it isn't like necessarily an instant relationship that they have but being able to get up and out or having the responsibility to to take a dog for a walk or something yeah. like that just gives you that little bit of push that maybe you wouldn't have especially if you're in a darker place mm-hmm. um yeah, it's it's just a wonderful book. Yeah. It's a wonderful book. It is. Sold. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> so go and uh, order it and marvel at the photography and the wonderful stories and the way it's written. And I'd be really oh, interested to hear... Goes mousing. Oh, no. It's terrier o'clock. It's furry things. It's furry things in the bushes, everyone. Yeah. I've seen something in the grass. I must make you aware. Um... Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear what our listeners think of this one. If you do go yeah. out and buy it, um, I'd be really interested to to hear what or you think. Or if you have heard of it and yeah. you've read it already, then um, yeah, please um, help us spread the word about how how lovely it is. I think that I think it needs it needs spreading. Yeah. this word. So yeah, yeah, let's go for it. So as ever, we are um, humbled and amazed to be able to talk to uh two of the authors of when dogs heal um jesse and robert yeah it was great wasn't it and we got some facts haven't we nat we have got some facts well i've just read this it's really cute the in the acknowledgements of the book it says um Stogie, trin jack ellie max pancake fred and all the dogs who have provided a shoulder to cry on or at least a snoot to boop. Thank snoot you. To boop. How cute is that? Oh, um, so there's teacher. loads of information about these guys here, but okay. I'm just going to read a, a short bit uh, about Jesse and, and Robert. So, uh, Jesse Frieden is America's leading fine art dog photographer. Mm. 
For the past 15 years, his portraiture has studied the deeply healing power of the human-animal bond, telling a contemporary story of companionship and love that truly honours the role dogs play in our lives. He works with clients in Santa Fe, San Francisco and beyond. Yeah, that's what I was trying to explain earlier Mm. in much nicer words. (laughs) Um, Robert Garofalo has devoted his career to caring for adolescents living with HIV. He's a physician and hospital professor of paediatrics in Chicago. Rob co-directs the Lurie Children's Hospital Gender, Identity and Sex Development Programme and is the National Authority on the Healthcare of LGBT Youth and Youths Living with HIV. They're pretty amazing people. Pretty cool. Top top quality human beings. Indeed. Yes. So, um, well, nothing left to do but delve into the interview, huh? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. I need to uh, identify the elephant in the room. If anyone can see, it's been a really sunny day in the UK and we don't get them very often. And I was out all day in a field, hence why my face is glowing right now. Um, So it seems like the most stereotypical English thing to do, but I've gone out in the sun today and got completely sunburned. So if you're wondering why I'm glowing, that's why. Totally, totally understand. I was, I was, I noted it. I was like, he's glowing. (laughs) I didn't know why. I'm not, I'm not pregnant. So um, I don't. I, I I thought I'd give a bit of background about the podcast, about what we do. Um, I've done the old the old podcast trick of pressing record straight away. We can always edit anything out beforehand or anything, but I always find sometimes you you miss things sometimes um, when you get chatting straight away. But what we basically do is, well, the the premise of the podcast was for for Natalie and I to get to interview some of our favorite um, and you know awe-inspiring animal trainers it's, okay. it's purely selfish yeah it's completely completely <laughs> selfish on our part there it is um there it is. and uh and since it's kind of evolved a little bit so we got talking to people and um so zazzy todd for example obviously um sure. you folks know zazzy mm-hmm. and um and it's kind of evolved and, and got and you know pricked our eyes into all sorts of different like avenues and when i heard about um when dogs heal um, it was Zazie's little blog that she wrote about it that that, oh. um, that that turned me on to it. And I thought, what a fascinating, fascinating subject. And I just watched um, a TV show in the UK. And I don't know if you guys would have seen this, but it's called It's a Sin. Ever heard of that one? Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet, though. Oh, mate. It's absolutely Brilliant. amazing. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. And Russell T. Davis, um, who <laughs> wrote it um uh, is 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 a god in my world or hell um and it's a fabulous it's a fabulous show and everything just kind of the, the whole subject matter of when dogs heal and, and that show sort of like really spoke to me and i thought it'd be a wonderful thing to reach out and and uh and talk to you about the book yeah 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 we're, we're we're very pleased that you're interested i mean it's Obviously, a very personal story for all, for each of us. Yeah, and I, th- I thought that'd be a really nice place to start because <laughs> what I mean, what a mission it must have been to put this together. Number one, um, uh, but maybe you can give our listeners a bit of background as to how it came about. Why, what you know, what why why does when dogs heal exist in the world? 
You want me, you you want me to take that, Jesse, or you want to do it? You can do it. Rob. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it kind of came together in, in some ways by happenstance, although none of it was sort of willy-nilly. So, uh, you know, it really started, um, I guess the beginning was just with me starting a charity called Fred Says um, a few years ago based upon um, the gift that my dog gave me at a time in my life that was really dark and a, and a difficult um, time related to my HIV diagnosis that is hard in some ways to talk about. But, um, you know, essentially my dog, Fred, who's a little bit, she's over there. He, he's really a wonderful dog. And he um, brought me back to life, really. You know, he, he reinstated peace and joy in a life that I really thought those things might really forever be gone. Mm. So, um, and then the rest of it was, is really about friendship and odd partnerships, right? So Jesse and I had the good fortune of meeting um, to do, a, for me, a self-indulgent photo shoot when Fred was a puppy. Of, of, I commissioned him to, you know, do some photography of, of, of pictures of Fred and I that still today hang in my home. And <laughs> a friendship sort of evolved, you know, that, and Zach Stafford um, was both a, a colleague and a friend who is a writer. And so we were sitting together just by happenstance really in Jesse's studio in LA one day when we were just talking about how to connect the charity and, and people to the charity and that people weren't getting an HIV charity that had a dog as, a, as its centerpiece and one of us blurted out when dogs heal you know it was kind of cheeky to use a British ter term you know it was kind of <laughs> cute with the play on words it wasn't H-E-E-L it was H-E-A-L and um, and so really a, a project evolved that was designed to kind of organically have its own course, right? We didn't set out to write a book. We set out to like do some small local events that involved people and their dogs. And, and yet when we talked to people about their dogs and their stories over time, we just knew that these were stories that we had to tell to the world, right? These were stories that we knew weren't being told um, and particularly as someone living with HIV, these were stories that were flipped the narrative of what it meant to be HIV positive, right? I mean, everything that you hear about and, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a medical doctor. And so this is part of my academic world as well. Everything you read about or hear about HIV has a particular tone, right? But the tone of these stories are really about triumph and love. And so, you know, it, it's been an honor to both meet these participants and then tell their stories in a way that is really raw and authentically theirs. So that's what I would say. It's, it's incredible. I mean, I, I, I finished, I actually finished reading it um, uh, yesterday and it just every story, although there's, there, there are quite a few similarities to every story. Everyone has got a, an absolutely mind blowing aspect of it. Something that really sort of like dropped my jaw um I, I i could go through one of the one of the ones that absolutely blew my mind was um stephen hope um and the fact that he's in he's in the vet's office um bless bless him having to put his um older boxer dog down and then in comes another boxer dog that has to have an emergency c-section there's not enough staff in the vets to do it so they call in the people that are waiting in the waiting room to help I, just like I, you know, it's just you know. I mean, serendipity is is mentioned in the book, and I want to talk about that later. But what? I mean, what? Well, and if I can stop for a second, I'm talking about serendipity. But you mentioned Stephen Hope, and yeah. 
by happenstance or serendipity, I'm in Palm Springs today. Oh, and we're gonna meet and we're gonna meet Steve okay. and his oh, new wow. dog because we because they because the family evolved as part of doing this book of people that are connected by these stories. And when I was in Palm Springs, I reached out and we're gonna have coffee with me and Christina, who I'm here with my niece. Oh, brilliant! And so just the fact that you you mentioned his story is part of the magic I think that is in this book. Like we're gonna actually see him later today. Oh, fabulous. And, and Jesse, I mean, the, um, the photographs are just, they're great. They're absolutely amazing. Um, they're wonderful. And, and I think, um, well, I'll, I think Nat will agree with this. How many, how many photos of your dogs do you reckon you got on your phone, Nat? Well, what else would you have on your phone? <laughs> a great question. <laughs> I think like, you know, there, there's, there's photographing dogs, Jesse, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And then there's photographing dogs there's a there's mm -hmm. a big there's a there's a huge a huge gap between my my four million photographs of my two dogs peaches and penny on my phone and and what you do i mean how how i mean this is a stupid question as it's coming out of my mouth but how do you do that like how do you capture them and there's there's a there's a a, a sort of it's it's a unison between the person and the dog. I can't really put it into words. Maybe you can do this better than me. I don't know, but it's it's wonderful. It really, I think they really capture the relationship. Yeah. Like on, there's one with um, uh, same as Starbody and Zeus. I'm just I was looking through the website and the picture is just lovely. They're both looking at each other. They're both really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just you know you can just see the love. Mm -hmm. I I I really like um, getting what people's response to the images and the stories too. I think it's really great for mm -hmm. us to know what people are affected by, but certainly the images. Um, and I, I think you're right. There is like a, a symbiosis between the, the person and the dog that for me, that's always been what's so interesting. For the past 15 years, I've exclusively photographed dogs, but really what I'm doing is photographing relationships because that's what I'm mm -hmm. so fascinated by. Um, and for this project, um, you know, we were photographing in kind of makeshift studios with the clean white background to make it incredibly simple so that relationship could stand out but I really um I get this question a lot how do you photograph dogs and my answer I think is always very boring for people <laughs> but <laughs> I just create a really calm space and I connect with them and I speak just like in the same tone um and I give them space to sort of show themselves and that's how those relationships really come about and I let them kind of I give them a little bit of guidance but I let them just sort of make their own shapes, especially for this book, because they were against this white background. And I think there's something so organic uh, uh, and natural and people just sort of sit themselves in this beautiful way. Um, on top of that, I've been doing this for a very long time. I'm not an actual dog trainer, like you have spoken to in, in your podcast for mm -hmm. so long, but I've been working with dogs for almost 20 years every day. So, you know, there, there does, I bring a lot of, you know, just dog sense um, and I've seen it all and none of it is weird. Um, and I think that's just, for me, my approach, I never have treats or toys. I just kind of, you know, I know it's going to happen before it happens and I just make space for it to happen. And mm -hmm. I shoot through the moment and that's, that's been my technique. <laughs> as weird I think, as it is. Yeah, no, it's a perfect technique because then you capture the, the reality of the relationship rather than a, a pose. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I think, think the, yeah, good. I was going to say, I think for me, the, the photos that you took are the perfect complement to the stories, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we, again, we didn't set out to do that, right? Mm -hmm. None of this was set out to have it end up the way that it did. But right. in the end, those, the images, the photos that Jesse took were 
the perfect complement to like everything that the stories tell you. They tell you one part of the story and then the, the pictures and the photos Jesse took tell you another part. And both are equally important and they balance one another, I think. It all comes together for like a, a an incredible emotive experience. Mm, like, and, yeah. That was the goal. That's always the goal for me is to give that to, to people. And I think, I think Rob's right because we all, the, the four of us that made this book, we came to it either from personal experience um, of whatever sort, um, uh, a deep passion for this personal, for this experience and, and a sensitivity that weirdly we all just kind of uh, complemented each other in that way. I think that's why that, you know, we came up with this kind of, mm -hmm. you know, holistic project that shows all that sensitivity. So, I, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, so I'm, I, I would say I'm, I would consider myself probably in the kind of ignorant category when it comes to HIV. Um, uh, like I say, that, that, that um, TV show really, because uh, when I was growing up was when um, AIDS became a thing. And I remember the adverts on television in the UK about it. And um, I remember all of the fear and the misinformation and the scaremongering. I remember kids at school, the things about can you catch it off a toilet seat and all of that crazy things that used to go around. Um, but reading this, I actually realized how still ignorant I still am. Um, and I think you know, books like this can go a really long way into breaking down the, I mean, the, the word stigma is used a lot throughout the book. Mm. And if there's one thing I learned from reading the book, it's that, you know, cultures, um, societal expectations and things like this are, are going a long way to, to ruin people's lives, you know, whether intentionally or not. And, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt a bit, a little bit ashamed as I was reading it as to, as to, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what the state of medication is for HIV nowadays. Um, I know it's no longer like a, the death sentence it was once thought to be. Um, so I think it educates as well, Rob, and I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think this is the first podcast where, the first interview that we've done where that particular point has come up. And I think it's such an important one and one mm -hmm that I think, I hope, uh, moving forward again in the, in the organic uh, journey that this book is going to have gets more traction because I do think it's educational and I mm -hmm. do think it's informative. And, and what we hoped here was to show the humanity right behind what an HIV or an AIDS diagnosis is. And all, all together in the fear mongering or the stigma or the history about a disease that you know, was, was one of our most recent but global pandemics, which obviously decimated and killed entire communities, right? An entire generation of, of gay men are, you know, were, were lost to this virus. And so um, it was really important for us to sort of show that humanity. And I think mm. to hear you say that you read, read the book and you learned something um, about HIV or about the humanity that rests beneath the virus is like um, music to my ears in some ways, mm. because it was one of the things that, again, we didn't intend to happen, but when we saw it happening before our eyes, we knew that that was one of the things that was important to tell. And, and I'll give a, a, a kudos to our publisher, Learner Books, because we tried for many years, Jesse would tell you, to try to find a publisher. And my sense is the sticking point often wasn't that we didn't have a good concept, right? Mm -hmm. When dogs heal, great. Mm -hmm. It was the word HIV, I think, that sat in the title. And I think for many publishers, I mean, they didn't say this, but this was my guess. 
you know, they saw that and, and they thought this is too niche, right? This is too gimmicky. This is not what people think about with HIV. And they didn't take the time to look beneath the title because while everybody in this book at the core of their issues sits in HIV diagnosis and the arc of each story is about stigma, overcoming that, peel that piece away. And in every story are relatable aspects for everybody's life about yeah. mine was about addiction and recovery. It could be about you know, intimate partner violence or overcoming a physical disability. There were so many re relatable aspects to those stories and to have folded in the HIV piece, I think gives people an opportunity to relate to people that are living with HIV and see the humanity. And to hear you say that that was something that you feel like you took away from the book is really powerful for me to hear because I think it's something that we hoped would happen. Mm, yeah, I, yeah, well, thanks. Um, yeah, that's made me feel really good. I made you feel really good. <laughs> um, I think the, the publishers that, that didn't go for it as well, they probably um, maybe misunderstood or didn't have an appreciation of, of how powerful dogs are when it comes to social facilitation. Mm. And, um, you know, one thing that I, I love about my job working with dogs is that I meet all sorts of people that I would never normally meet because unless you're making a real concerted effort to kind of leave your, your bubble, you end up meeting the same sort of people, don't you? And, um, you know, whether that is a mental health illness, um, a, a disease, other uh, conditions, um, a physical disability, uh, or just different jobs and classes and cultures. Mm. And, you know, dogs can be that common denominator. And I think that's what's great about this book is it's eye-opening to a world that probably most people don't have a lot of understanding or appreciation of um and uh, you know the stuff that we've seen in the press in the uk has been amazing since um it's a sin came out because um there's there's just been that kind of awakening almost mm. of people thinking wow that that actually happened how harrowing right I think it's it's really great to hear, um, yeah, to hear that you're that perspective. We, Rob and I, have done a lot of other interviews, either with like queer organizations or people in the HIV space. But it's nice to have just a. I mean, I'm a dog nerd, so I we're the yeah, dog really, nerds too. Yeah, I really appreciate bridging that the, our worlds. But I think um, what was really fun for me, and I think was just fun for Rob too, is. You know, Rob comes from a very ac academic medical background, which is not my world at all. Um, and, you know, as a story, as a visual storyteller, I love being able to reinterpret things um, and bring people into a new story. And I think dogs are a great vehicle for that, mm -hmm. right? They, um, they sort of are this unifier. Um, so, I, I, and I think that's probably why our, we finally got a publisher that's great. Um, it's also, we're, it's a young adult publisher. So it's being geared towards younger adults mm, um, specifically. Okay. Obviously mm -hmm. adults are reading the book too. Mm. Um, but I think that's what makes this book unique. And what and um, uh, the, the television show, it's a sin too, is we need to be able to tell new stories in a new, hopeful, beautiful, joyful way about mm. this experience, about lots of stigmatized experiences. Um, and I think that's, it took us eight years to get here. We didn't like, we didn't know we were going to end up with this great book. But um, I think it's, you know, for me, it makes me feel really um, happy, like we've accomplished something that we had no idea we'd accomplished because we got to, we're willing to change minds and sort of bring these, these walls together. So. Yeah, I think the connection piece for me is really 
interesting too because we when we decided that we needed to pivot from like a small project to something that was a book then it became important for us to like make sure that we had a book that was reflective of all the populations and all the communities that were impacted by HIV, mm -hmm. right? So all of a sudden it couldn't just be like a nice local event with some white gay guys that have a dog and HIV. It had to be <laughs> reflective of like, no, I mean, because that would that wasn't the story mm -hmm. any of us wanted to tell, yeah. right? And it was hard to find, you know, yeah. a diverse array of people. And when you talk about connections, I feel like, like I would have never met someone like you know steven you know or, or his dog hope or 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 Starbo or starbody or any of many of the people i would have never had the opportunity to have met people with very diverse backgrounds from myself you know um and so i feel like that's been another gift of this project like we are all interconnected in ways because of our dogs that um that's i think really powerful how how did you I mean, it's mentioned in the book, and I'm always conscious of this because this is a this is a recommends podcast. So I'm, all, I'm always conscious of like going really in depth into. So I could talk about a lot of the stories. I've got notes that are you know, pages <laughs> of pages of notes um, in front of me about different things. But I won't talk too much about. There's a couple of things that I do want to bring up. But how do you, how did you go about getting? I think it's mentioned. I think there's a quote. It's like finding a unicorn, isn't there? Like um, yeah, I wrote that part. Yeah how how did I mean how did you do it? How did you reach out? I mean, it started out again, you know, very serendipitously and by happenstance. And it would really be Zach Stafford and I sitting in local cafes, logging onto like gay sex or dating apps like mm. Grindr or Scruff and screening by HIV positive status. And then me literally going down one by one and being like, do you have a dog? Do you have a dog? Do you have a dog? You know, and, and maybe one in 10 would respond. And the responses were, I won't go into them, but hysterical. <laughs> Some of them had no interest in this project, but certainly had interest in other things. Um, like Zach or I wearing a leash, for instance. I mean, that was one of them. But anyway. That photo never made it into that. the book, though, no? <laughs> that, no. But I think we learned that that was, that was only getting us like one type of demographic, right? And we quickly shifted to like, I started to leverage my medical background, like mm. contact clinics in the area. And I knew of some of my own patients, two of them are in the book that had always talked about their dogs as part of their clinical encounters. And but I think my favorite, how we did this story was I think by our third city, which was New York, we still had not had a black man that had, that was an active participant in the project. And you can't, conceive of a project that's about HIV without including yeah. sort of a black yeah. man when you think about communities that have been devastated by this virus. And so mm -hmm. it became really important for us to try to figure out, well, how do we fix that? And we were doing a photo shoot with Michelle and Raven and their dogs, a mother-daughter combination in New York, a, bl a black woman. And we asked them, like, do you have any friends? And she got on her phone, she and her daughter, and they were like texting friends. And within an hour, we had Tremaine Bradley and his dogs um, in our studio. And I'm going to get emotional when I say this because Tremaine's our one participant to our knowledge that didn't make it. Oh. And he died before the publication of this book. And he's also our youngest participant. And so there's a lot to that. There's a, a lot to unpack in that. But mm -hmm. um, it was we had to dedicate the book to his memory. Mm -hmm. And it was important that, you know, beneath these stories of love and hope and beneath all the stories that pivot about a different type of story about HIV is still the remembrance that one of our participants lost his life, you know, mm -hmm. and it's still a virus that, that if not taken well mm -hmm. care of can 
obviously lead to devastating consequences. And so we tried, but going back to your original question, we tried every which way imaginable to find these participants. And I know I speak for Jesse here when I say it's one of the things we're most proud of. Like, this is not a book about white gay men and their dogs and HIV. This is a book that is reflective of trans people and older people and young people. And it's very diverse. And it's one of the things we're most proud of. There's a, a fabulous, um, uh, I think it's you, Jesse, talking at the beginning about, um, you know, when you were growing up, you found that there was this this a gang of people that if you dug a little deeper, they were really cool and you wanted to know them. And, you know, um, I, and I think that comes across in the book, like every photograph are people that actually you wouldn't well when i when i see them i'm like oh i want to know these people these people look cool there's some cool tattoos going on and there's some like you know <laughs> they all they all dressing pretty cool and they all look but they all look like really like i don't know if that's your photography if you're just like you're you're I'm obviously amazingly gifted at capturing that as well but yeah it's um it, it you know what what in i mean obviously they, these are interesting stories um but like you you seem to have caught like it perfectly absolutely perfectly with your camera um that's not really a question that's just a statement i think <laughs> well i it's i really appreciate that you know i think it's a um there's something about uh, at least for me what i like to do is i do think people are interesting you know i am really curious about people oh but dogs have always been a way for me to sort of um, be curious about people because it's, I don't want to really talk to strangers much, but mm. if there's a dog, we can be on the same level mm. and it lets people open up. And, and um, so these people that we found, and it's, I think it's a, Rob tells it very well, like it was very hard to find people to be so out and um, open about their status and their experience and all the other triggering things about their stories. Um, and I didn't know what they looked like or what they would be like when they came into the studio. I just, and I love that challenge. You know, I had a very short moment to sort of bond with these strangers um, and get them comfortable. And they were so visually interesting to me. I think most people are visually interesting, especially when you get them to just let their, if you can get them to let their guard down and just mm. show up. Um, there were no props, there was no stylist. There was, it was just pure and simple come mm. as you are. And I think people are just really cool and interesting, especially mm. when they're, opening up and being vulnerable. And and if I can meet them in that vulnerable space, like it's just a really cool, creative, exciting and, challenge for me. And kudos to our, our writing team, you know, led by Zach and Christina really, who got these part 36 participants to like open up about like raw aspects of their lives mm -hmm. and HIV that like people don't often talk about, you know, and it's, as you said, highly stigmatized. So like to read actually the story that really stands out to me is Santi's story with with her dog, Duchess, who Santi was my patient. You know, she has no problems with me saying this mm -hmm. as a young black trans woman who I'm incredibly proud of. And, and I can't believe our writers got her to talk about like what it meant for her to like be shuttled between foster homes as a child and yeah. to talk about like sex work and how, you know, that played a role in the stigma that she experienced around HIV. And to see all that like come out in a story um, really kudos to Zach and Christina for like getting these participants to trust in this project and in us enough to not just tell their stories, but to tell them in such a raw and authentic way. Cause I mean, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm. Have, have some of the participants been able to, to meet up? I mean, was it a very sort of separate, um, because they're part of a family now, aren't they? They're part yeah. of a, a legacy in the book. And um, uh, I guess, 
maybe from a sort of counseling point of view and you know dealing with trauma um maybe feeling part of a something bigger with other people on a similar journey um i i hope would have been beneficial for them yeah i mean i don't know that any of we haven't actually organized it's an interesting idea like organize some sort of meeting i will say that as part of these events um many of our participants have like followed our and jesse organized most of them it's like virtual book tour and it wouldn't yeah. surprise yeah. us if like you know at an event brandon was the one that i think made every single one you know and so there Aww. were definitely people that were like came to every event that we had and i think like you said really many of these people have felt empowered by participating in this project yeah. and there's numerous stories about that you know like rj and stoli and many people felt like by being able to tell their story to somebody else and tell it in a way that was authentically theirs there was a power for them and in, mm. in in releasing that to the world and so I think it would. Um, it was a disappointing, obviously, that the book got pushed out the publication date because of COVID. Um, it would have been really fulfilling for me, selfishly, to have an in-person event and have some of the participants come and get to sort of interact. Just because, like, this book for me, and I think for everyone, is like about holding space for this these people and mm -hmm. just kind of shining a light on their experience. Um, I think yeah, it would be really wonderful for, for, yeah, somehow to let these people not only just read the, each other's stories by getting a copy of the book, but sort of, yeah, have that in person. Yeah. We've tried, I think, I don't know, I was gonna say we've tried, I think, to involve them, but I do think if there's one thing that I wish we could have done differently, and we've been asked that question a few times, it would be to have been had the opportunity to do some like live events, which I think would have showcased these participants a lot more. We would have had been the opportunity to bring them to events or involve them in events in a way that wasn't a Zoom meeting, right? It was something mm -hmm. in person. And I think, um, yeah, that's that's probably the one thing that I wish we could do differently. Mm. I the 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 human. I mean, I want to get talking about dogs in a minute. Like this, this is how amazing this book is. We spent the first half all talking about the the people side of things, but the I. There's some wonderful. One of the reasons everyone needs to go out and get this book right now is there are some real wonderful human moments in it. Um, there's 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 loads I could talk about. There's a couple that I wanted to bring up. There's the it's um Adam and Layla who are the cover stars of the book. Um. Uh, with their matching bracelets yeah <laughs> yeah i love it love it um uh the the moment where he he goes out i think it's a it's a, he has like a two-hour conversation with his dad who's from is his dad from china i can't remember now off the top of my head but the, there's a cultural sort of divide and again a cultural stigma around hiv and he goes out and has this conversation with his dad and they're eating they've, they've gone to dinner or something and um he takes a bite of his dad's steak and then his dad hands the steak, like the whole rest of the steak over to him. And he immediately thinks, ah, oh, you know, my words didn't land. And he, he thinks because I've eaten the steak now, he needs to give the steak over. But he was like, no, no, no. I, I just I just thought you were hungry and then takes a bite of it himself. And just I, I teared up when I read that. I thought, what a what a wonderful, a simple but wonderful moment of understanding between two people Um it almost almost couldn't be almost didn't need words for that for that little mm. moment that's beautiful and there's another really really beautiful moment rob when you're talking about um and obviously some of these things might be difficult for you to talk about but when you're talking about your mum and how and how 
difficult it was for you to talk to her. But when you talked to her, the only thing she was concerned about was the fact that someone had hurt you. And that's just so, that's just so mum. And then there's that moment where she's in there and when she's talking to um, little Fred, um, just saying that you brought my son back. And I just, I just again, tiny, tiny moments. And I apologize if I upset you, but tiny, tiny moments that I think are so beautiful and so heartwarming. And, you know, we, we can talk about, and we have over the last couple of episodes we've done, we've been talking a lot about dogs, how they're, how they can, how, um, you know, they, they're working in the world of medicine, how they're affecting human lives. Suddenly our podcast has taken this sort of turn where we've talked a lot about this. Um, and there are things that I'd like to talk about in a minute, but those, those, well, like Nat said, like they're great social lubricant, aren't they? You know, mm -hmm. these, these little things that they can, that they can help with, but those human moments are beautiful. And yeah. And that is a word of warning when you read the book as well. You do need little windscreen wipers to be able to read it. <laughs> I always say, you know, we've been living with these stories for eight years, some of them. Mm. And I still, I pick up the book and I still get teary, teary eyed. I mean, even just hearing these moments you're mentioning, mm. they're powerful because I, I yeah. mean, um, I, we all connect with them so much. And I think it's, I think that's the, the power of storytelling of good storytelling, which is, yeah. uh, you know, attributed to our great writers and our participants. Um, but all you need is for a, a stigmatized, misunderstood, marginalized experience is a human small human moment like that one you, you were these two you just mentioned yeah. that's all you need for someone to understand actually what's happening to a misunderstood group um so i'm, I'm yeah, i, I think, love hearing people get teary about this and i think the story of adam and layla is, a, is the point you mentioned is a really good one it's one of the reasons why i love uh, that photo the best right because you see the sweetness of mm. that you know young adult and this dog and how beautiful they are together and to think that for whatever reason you know, earlier in his story was that he, you know, he was felt shunned by his family because mm -hmm. of his HIV status and that anyone could look at that young man and that dog and not want to just give them a hug. Yeah. It's part of the, what I was talking about earlier, the compliment of these beautiful images with these raw stories. Like it's hard for me to, to justify or juxtapose those two worlds together. Right. Because mm -hmm. the image, you just want to like give them both a giant hug. And yet at the core of his story is really like feeling ostracized even from his sort of family of origin in a way that's almost hard to comprehend when you look at that image. And so, yeah, I think, I do think one of the measures of whether the stories were really well written, not well told, because the telling of the stories are just authentically theirs. But as we were editing and as we were going through Christina, for me, the mark of whether the story hit the mark was whether I needed to reach for my Kleenex <laughs> to reach, reach for my tissue by the end of the story, because each one of them has this, you know, this arc to it. And I think it is one of the things our writers did really well was there's, there, there is a repetition to the stories. They're not repetitious, but there is, you know, a similar arc to the stories. And I think that's one of the things that makes it powerful as well. Yeah. Th that's uh, like you mentioned RJ and Stoli earlier, the, the whole thing, like, yeah, the doctors told me, yeah, you might, you might walk again. You're going to need the aid of a walker, probably. Nah, get a dog. You'll be all right, mate. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, and again, obviously that's making light of it. And I, I don't mean to do that, but it just, a you know, powerful, powerful stories of people overcoming in quite, you know, amazing, sometimes incredibly simple. But like you say, Jesse, you alluded to it there, that that simplicity is like a like a bulldozer that crashes through the story sometimes and really and really, you know, 
really what well, opened my eyes a lot I, because half, half of it half of reading it is like oh my god how crappy are humans and and their belief <laughs> systems and their and are you know um the way we treat su- yeah, each other superstitions and... yeah all of that thing but yeah. the other half of it is how amazing are humans and what they can overcome and and obviously there's the dogs bit which we should get to we should get to uh, like talking about and because like i said we have we've delved into the world of of dogs and and i don't think you th- there's not a lot in the book in terms of um which i think is actually to your credit in terms of sort of scientific data in terms of how you know how dogs can affect us and that and i know that some of the science is a bit you know it's portrayed in we're actually talking to someone um carrie westgraff recently who I think I think I'll be misquoting her a little bit, but said something along the lines of that <coughs> the the media portrays dogs as always there as superheroes for us to you know they they can come into your life and completely turn your life around, which which is true in a lot of cases and in in most of these well all of these stories definitely true, but sometimes I think we have to be careful about how much you know how much sort of emphasis and there's a lovely you you talk about that actually at the um. At the end of the book, Rob, right at the very end, um, about story, my how, story. Yeah, how that how you have to, you know, you have to turn up as well. It's not just a one. You know, don't put all of your hope on this. If you're not turning up, it's not going to work. Um, and I think, you know, dogs. A lot of the things, again, the similarities in the stories. Uh, a lot of people mention it's the small thing. It's this one little small thing that you can almost through every story see that see the the similarity in terms of. There's there's a, a quote in almost all of them where it's like, and when I saw the dog, I instantly fell in love and felt like here's some here's something that needs me, that needs me to to be better for for them, you know, um, and that's um that's a huge a huge part in terms of in terms of dogs. Well, when you're hopeless, and I think a lot at the core of a lot of these stories, it comes a moment after one's HIV diagnosis where you do experience an element of hopelessness, right? Mm. And so what these dogs have done, and sorry if I get a little bush about talking about it, is they give you a moment, they give you a flicker of hope. Mm. Like that's what the unconditional love does, right? It doesn't, it doesn't change your life, right? Like my dog's still here, but I have to show up every day and make those decisions, right? My dog doesn't make those decisions for me. But what my dog did is, is in that, 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 that unconditional love, right? it gave me a glimmer of hope mm. when I like most needed it. And I think that's the spark that you see in every story. It's not that the dog changed these people's lives. It's that the dog gave these people an ability to believe in themselves again, right? Gave them hope, you know, at a time when that was what they needed most of all. Yeah. I always think that dogs, no matter what your um, your situation, they, they are constantly reminding us how simple joy can be. And just, you know, tiny little moments like um you know squeaking a toy or you know i i am i'm guessing when you have a diagnosis like hiv um anything that makes you smile is going to be a good thing and it might be few and far between to start with but dogs dogs will certainly help with that yeah i mean it can be an overwhelming identity being hiv positive this hasn't come up in many of our interviews either but like so many people you know myself including you it doesn't matter if you're an academic or you wash cars or you're a teacher or you're it doesn't matter you're just defined by your hiv diagnosis right that Mm -hmm. becomes the all-consuming identity and what is different here is that 
my, when my dog looks at me, he doesn't see an HIV diagnosis, right? But the dog doesn't care about any of that. So mm. they look past that identity and see again, the humanity that underlies, I think, yeah. the diagnosis. Yeah. And that's, I think, super important. I think the other thing um, about the dog aspect is, you know, I've always believed that this has been part of, I think, why I've been so interested in photographing people and dogs for all these years is if you can, I've learned from my own dog who passed a few years ago, but was with me for a very long time. Um, if you can learn to, if you can love a dog, you can learn to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not like magical, but it's just, you know, if you can feel, oh, I have love of this creature and I can see this creature is loving me. And if this creature loves me, like Rob said, no matter, they don't see any of my labels that have been smacked onto me mm. to just see a human being um then maybe i can love myself you know and like you said you know when i had my dog we we'd go on walks we'd do all these meditative things he, he helped he didn't he wasn't my doctor <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um, but he helped me stay grounded and love myself um, and learn how to love others and you know that's a very important lesson about that we can take away from our relationship with dogs and i also personally as a dog nerd don't I don't believe that all dogs are perfect for everybody. We have no, to understand sure. how to work with them, train them, sure. model our behavior and their behavior and you know live together. Um, so it's not just like go out and get a dog and your life will be great. Like Rob said, you have to put the work in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I like I wake up every day and I think I want to be the person that my dog thinks I am. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, I, I really, if I get through the day and I am that person, like when. If I go to bed at night and I look in my dog's eyes and he's at peace, then I know that I've done my job for the day, right? You know, and so there is something that dogs keep it simple, right? Like I think humans, we do an amazing job of, you know, screwing up things by overcomplicating <laughs> things, right? And dogs strip all that away and they just want to keep it simple. Like they're, they're constant reminders that like joy and peace and laughter or whatever, love is not elusive right these are not elusive things if you strip away all the things that we do as humans to complicate it and just get back to like you know some core issues i did i did do a bit of a dive into some uh, into some scientific studies about what uh, that are out there in terms of what um what dogs can do and also i think uh, what's important to say is is the the pitfalls maybe of, of of dogs in terms of well a lot of this is more not so much HIV diagnosis and stuff like that but mental illness which I guess you know that they're on the same well they're in the same Venn diagram aren't they in terms of things of how people are dealing with things um, and it was the BMC Psychiatry um, Journal 2016 and 2018 they've they've seen like um, m- that massive... just off the top of your head yeah no I'm reading that off my <laughs> Says Nat, Nat dropping. I'm reading that off the bottom there. Um, uh, yeah, so um, actually, some studies have been done on schizophrenia. So dogs helping to, to um, you know, uh, I guess I guess block out voices that people were hearing, or or being able to channel it more. Um, obviously, suicidal thoughts and things like that that comes up in the book. Um, uh, and feeling alone. That was a good one. There's a brilliant quote. It's you, actually, Rob, I think. Ad- um, addiction and disengagement go hand in hand. That really spoke to me. Now, I'm not sure. I might be editing this out of the podcast, but I have had um, issues with addiction in my life. And it's not something that I've been like openly. Uh, obviously, Nat knows. She's one of my best buds. But um, but when I read that, I'm it really, uh, really, really, really spoke to me because that, that and disengagement from 
from life you know that that sort of like you know you become incredibly selfish incredibly incredibly um and and yeah i think dog i, I know firsthand that dogs can can you know pull you back from that brink um so that was wonderful yeah i mean i you know talking about my addiction has not obviously been something that has ever come very easy for me right i mean particularly as a physician right it's yeah. a kind of a one it's the one taboo subject that still physicians or healthcare providers don't talk about and why like so many of us have been touched by addiction either in it for ourselves or for our family and so learning i think through my dog mm. <laughs> in some ways to just forgive myself enough to be like honest mm. about like what i'm going through um has actually been really empowering for me and i'm and and so like the more i am authentic about like hey you know every, every day for me sometimes is a struggle right but i get through it you know and and maybe one day i don't get through it but that's not the end of the world either because mm. i show back up for myself like those are i think simple stories and and my dog is really helpful in that, right? Because even though I might have fallen down yesterday, I wake up tomorrow and my dog's still there wanting the same thing from me. And so they bring you back to this sense of like, what's important, right? And it doesn't matter what yesterday was, like today is a new day, right? So today I get to bring it, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah. yeah. That's the mentality you need. And that really helped me in Venice reading that. So thank thank you. Thank you so much for writing and, it. I, I, I mean, also, I I am also sober and um, it's, yeah, th these things, like these personal things that we're all talking about, um, this is all, like Rob said, I mean, we are very different careers, Rob and I, but I have, there are expectations in my world too, to behave in a certain way and not speak about certain things. And for a long time that served me, but then after 15 years, I was like, you know what? I am, I've compartmentalized my life. Like I think kind of like maybe Rob has, you know? Um, and I certainly don't, didn't, never spoke about my sobriety or queerness or any millions of other things. Um, and I think, you know, I fully believe that that's what makes us stronger people. And certainly I feel like I'm a stronger creative if I can be authentic and, and honest with myself. And certainly having a dog um, and being around dogs has always been like from the, I think I talked about it in my introduction, although I can't remember what I wrote, but I have a picture in my hallway that I've had this little four by six picture of me when I was probably like four years old lying on the floor with this dog that I used to love. And like that moment was, I still remember it, um, totally unconditional, unjudgmental love. And I think mm -hmm. that's what I'm always trying to get back to, which is why dogs have always been so interesting to me. Um, it's just been this like, you know, I've, instead of training or anything, I've just kind of been in this creative world. And I think the same with Rob, like, you know, we all come together because all of us here, because of dogs and, it's not just I want to pet a dog and love it. It's like this dog's changing my life if I show up. So, mm. and I've tried to like bring bring my world together, like you say. Oh, you know, there's not a lot of like academic literature. So I've tried over the past few years to try to pivot right and now make my academic career about you know sort of better understanding dogs and the role of the impact of HIV. And I've written NIH grants about it. And I have to say, I'm I'm glad to some extent I I haven't gotten them in large part because this project is different and, yeah. and it doesn't, I don't have to now like define it with data and no. write it, write an article. And, and so a lot of this work is about bridging my personal story and, and my professional goals. Right. But, but there's some of it that I think is better suited to, to be kept separate, right? The power of these stories, the power of this data is in the narrative, right? Is in the, the, the complementary nature of the picture and the prose 
I don't need like 16,000 data points to tell me what, you know, the stories here, the stories speak for themselves. And so um, I think I've given up trying to like now have an academic career that now <laughs> defines my academic career by dogs and HIV because um, I don't know that it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. You might lose some of the magic that there is when, yeah. you know, sometimes when we try and, and do that, I find that with, with some, some of the sort of, uh, behavior work and I have always tried to stay very grounded and just be me I don't want to become some corporate this is how you train a dog um, you know I just want to share the love with how you can live with a dog and have a brilliant a brilliant time basically and that sounds very unscientific and if my <laughs> clients are listening I <laughs> I do know what I'm talking about <laughs> but um, you know I don't want to ever lose that and I think um Sometimes you you can, you know, I, I worked in conservation for years and I kind of lost the enjoyment of just watching wildlife. Um, and that's a very thing. That's a thing for me. Some stuff I think you need to keep for yourself. 100%. And I've, I'm learning that in part by this book. Like I've been so enjoying to see this book launch and to see how something that isn't an academic publication, how it connects with people on an entirely different level. Mm. And I ha I've now made an intention to keep those worlds a little bit separate because there is a joy to this process that I don't necessarily have as part of any of my academic writing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, the thing that I love sort of flicking through, obviously the stories of, you know, very emotional as we've, we've talked about. Um, and it's amazing that people have shared them uh, absolutely amazing that you found them and that they've shared them um but from a, a a photograph point of view you know even if we just had those there's such a strong message there that says not everyone that has a hiv positive diagnosis looks the same mm. and not every dog that is helping someone looks the same no, it's yeah. like you know bringing together all of these different colors sizes cultures and it's it's a lovely celebration of how different we all are but we can still have um you know similar life experiences or, or gain pleasure in similar things i think i think you're i think you're so right i think there's i have nothing to say other than i think that's what makes this project and and our jobs as dog people um and i'm sure it's with the same with medicine too but um you know, we have like a very handsome, well-groomed young guy with a tiny little Pomeranian. And then we have, you know, like an older, an older woman with two kind of scruffy rescue dogs. And it's all the same as you guys yeah. know. I mean, you could do agility with like a Pomeranian or a lab. I mean, whatever you want. So yeah, mm -hmm. I love that kind of freedom. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have to, well, we wanted to make sure there was diversity in the participants. We didn't need to do that with the dogs. Like, <laughs> naturally, I mean, but it you know, naturally came together in some yeah. ways, which we're fortunate for. It almost would have been stranger if you'd found everybody and they all had boxes or something. You know, it would have been. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hang on a minute. What's going on here? You might have needed to <laughs> start an like academic study. <laughs> yeah, there aren't that many. There aren't that many duplicates in terms of the dogs. No. I mean, there are a few, no. but very few. No. 
And I, 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 I've got, I, I just have to say, how adorable is coconut? By the way, like, oh my god, no. oh god, no, okay, I, I, I just couldn't. I just hovered over that picture for quite a long time, going, oh my god, that might be the most adorable dog I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> I, re- I remember when they came in. That was in L.A., and I think I was just. There was, were you there, Rob? Or no? No. Okay. No, I, I, I met her there. on the phone. Oh yeah, by myself. Um, and they came in, and I. You know, I don't ever work with babies, so I was like, "Oh no, mm. what's going to happen?" But she was so sweet, and yeah, so sweet. And I was like, "A dog and a baby—that's that's a lot for anyone." Um, but I just remember, I was like, "Okay," I just in my mind, I was like, "I just want this shape," and I just gave him the apple box to sit down on, and it was just happened so naturally. I didn't do anything, I don't think, um, and they just made that they composed themselves and. Um, I love that picture. Like, I mean, they're all perfect poses. Her little, her little ears. It's just perfect. <laughs> and that baby is now six years old. And I, oh, and she wow. sent me a picture. She sent me a picture of her daughter holding the Wen Dog seal book. Oh, and that's again, I mean, you're talking about, Yeah, I like to, you know, talk about a little family. But, um, you know, her story, I think, is really powerful, too, because, you know, she was going through a lot, you know, around partner violence and the custody of her child and, to see her now six years later, you know, with a whole different life, you know, with this little person, you know, and um, it's just really powerful. Incredible. Incredible. I, I lo- there's a, um, I can't remember, uh, I can't remember which story this was in, but there's a, there's um, uh, a phrase that I've written down here called um, radical empathy. And I really like that. That's a wonderful little phrase. I love it. I love it. And there's a lot of that in this book. There's a lot of radical empathy on both sides. And how interesting is it as well, as you read the book, everyone is going on about how much their dogs saved them. But in so many incidences, they've saved the dogs, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, shelters or, or you know, situations that they were in that, that they needed to be helped out of. And it's it's not it's not often that they talk about it the other way around. It's almost like you could write a, a mirror of the book, like from the dog's from perspective, the dog. <laughs> you know, and that would be quite an interesting project. <laughs> well, RJ's story, you mentioned it, you know, like he talks about, you know, how just to get housing, which is so, clearly something yeah. that is so fundamental to all of our lives, right? Like, what would we do if we didn't have a roof over our heads? And yet he made the decision for years to forego an opportunity to have housing just because he was never going to like abandon his dog, you know? And so mm. the dog did save him, but yeah, how, how did he show up every day for all this time as someone who was, you know, homeless, mm. making sure that his dog was cared for. There are, there are numerous examples. Linnea is another one, yeah. you know, who like a young woman with, you know, living with a baby and an HIV, like she had to make sacrifices in order to keep that dog and you know in yeah. their lives and so i'm glad that you bring that up yeah and is is it um i'm looking through my notes here now desperately trying to find it is it peanut and um what's the other dog called i'm forgetting its name now the the one where they mentioned the serendipity about the fact that there's the fact that he he got out walking i think it is peanut let me find before before i mess up. i can always edit Edit the massive. Uh, talk amongst yourselves for a second. Uh, <laughs> Is it uh, the one about uh, Harry and Larry, where he was walking in San Francisco and saw him on the street? Or is that yeah, different? that's it. That's it. What are the dogs called? 
Uh, it's Harry and oh. Harry and Larry, right? Harry and Larry. Is it Larry? Yeah. Mitch is with Peanut. Peanut is with. Oh, Mitch, Peanut, Peanut, and Peanut and Turkey. Yeah. That was it. So, so Peanut, nice. yeah, yeah, Mitch and Peanut, um, and right. and he they he got out walking and then found the other dog, Turkey. Yeah, that, that's um, actually it's it's similar. I didn't think about that, but Harry yeah. and Larry have a similar story. But there's people being out in the world and collecting dogs, which, as we know, it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I've never found a dog, you see. I'm waiting <laughs> well, you've got to find a little cute puppy under a shrub and then right. there's no excuse for me not keeping them because I'm, you know, doing doing a favour to the dog. Yeah. Well, it Jess- hasn't happened yet. Jesse and, and Joseph and Pancakes. <laughs> Joseph and Pancake as well. Yeah. It's another yeah, one where found the dog. Just yeah. stumbled right. across them. <laughs> you, you should know, Jesse and Rob, that Nat does not need another dog. Okay. <laughs> How many need. do you have? I've got five. <laughs> <laughs> And Probably one of enough. them is a ginormous wolfhound called Drax, who's, uh, yeah, he's a it's gorgeous one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm conscious of the time. Um, I, 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 you, we could talk to you all day long. Um, it's been it, really lovely to chatting to you. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. Um, and oh my it's, gosh, so much. it's been a, a wonderful experience reading your book. It's a wonderful Thank you book. So much. It's a beautiful tribute to Tremaine as well um so oh, so yeah I I, I I I just can't I can't big it up enough everyone needs to go out and buy it it's a, one, a wonderful thing it's something I know I'll be revisiting a lot as well which is which is really nice because some books I read and you know they're, they're quite academic and I will revisit them for purposes of oh they, that's that training method this is something completely different in my world <laughs> completely different and I'll revisit it because it just warms the cockles of my soul for want of a better expression mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank I, you yeah, for your interest in the book yeah it's it's really nice to to talk to other specific uh dog nerds about this um as that's you know where my heart is so i really appreciate both of you guys anytime have you, have yeah, you got any plans so of doing anything else in the future in terms yeah. of projects or was this one such a long haul that you're just gonna whoo, wait and see what happens um i personally i i am after 15 years taking a, a little hiatus from dog <laughs> photography and not because of this project, but yep. just because um, I've got some other stuff uh, to work on. So um, it feels weird and nice to do work uh, without dogs um, and we'll see what happens. So. Brilliant. Yeah. I don't have any specific plans, but you never know, you know, like never know. dogs will forever be part of my life and who knows what crazy idea will pop into my head next because yeah and with that with that serendipity at play you never know do you yeah and it it sounds like it all kind of came together quite organically and so you just got to keep an open mind haven't you you never know what conversation you're going to be having around a cup of coffee next that's right. So true. You have to have to make me a promise, though. If you ever find yourselves in the UK, we should uh, yeah. meet up in person. Yeah, and, let us know. And maybe, Jesse, if you ever find yourself in the UK, you might be able to take a very brief hiatus from your hiatus. <laughs> and... <laughs> I, gosh, I would love I would love to take a trip out there and I would I promise you I'll let you know. Yes, <laughs> that awesome. would be lovely. So we, we've got a tradition. We do a fake buy. So we're all going to go wave and go fake buy, but stick around so we can say a real buy um, after yeah. after we've pressed stop on the recorder. So okay. fake buy, everyone. Fake Thanks, buy. guys. Fake buy. Bye. Thanks. See you. I extra beaches for a walk. 
and everything was fine. It wasn't very busy, and the weather was sublime. We'd done a few great recalls and practiced loose leader, but mostly we did sniffing because sniffs are basic media. And that is when it happened. I couldn't quite believe it. A million miles away from any washroom or convenience, my pictures did a poop and being conscientious man, I stooped down to collect. That's when it happened. I put my finger through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag. What the hell am I gonna do? It's through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag. What the hell am I gonna do? Well, there we go. Is everybody okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a lovely, what a just, yeah, lovely. Yeah, really nice. Really lovely people and yeah. Yeah. Aren't we lucky? It's a wonderful book. You need to, we need to promote it, folks. Yeah. We need to get out there and tell everyone about it and, and, um, and, and go and buy it. Uh, it is really good. It's, and it, the message is wonderful. There's so many things you can gain from it. Mm-hmm. Not just nice pictures of dogs, which is full of those and people and dogs <laughs> yeah. and colorful outfits and things. It's full of them, but the stories and the, and the way that, um, that it might even change your mind about a few things. It certainly changed my mind about things yeah well it's you know it's not a world i've delved into much to be honest not from um for any reason other than i just haven't found myself in in that kind of uh position so to yeah find out a bit more about um all the supportive work that goes on as well with with people um living with hiv um can only be a positive can't it in the you know grand scheme of things of of Empathy and understanding and us all helping yeah. each other. Radical empathy. Radical empathy. That's what like we that. need to employ. Yeah, I like it. Obviously, I'll stick links up to everything um, on the show notes. So so head over there if you want to find links to um, everyone's uh, websites and charities and all of those good things as well. <gasps> so we've been away for a bit, which means, yep. which means our question sack is full. <laughs> what a lovely image. <laughs> I'm dragging this question sack around with me <laughs> all morning. May I empty let's, it let's upon empty it your garden table? <laughs> <laughs> right, jingle time. Question, 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 question. Okay, so, uh, yeah, question master. Questions. Questions. Okay, let's go for uh, questions from our lovely um, patrons. Thanks, Hi patrons. Guys. Hi. Um, okay, so um, it's great. Pause, Hannah. No, it's Greg. Of course, Greg, it's Greg. Greg, Greg, Greg. Sorry, Greg. It's big G. Um, Greggy G is asking: Having watched a TV show this week called "Me and My Dog: The Ultimate Challenge," which was aired originally back in 2017, mm. very good show on iPlayer if you've not seen it. This is my friend uh, Sean Ryan, I think, was one of the people, one of the um, advisors on that. Love Sean um, Ryan. 
Naturally, Chirag's show also giving a great insight into dog training. If you had an unlimited budget and access to anyone on the planet, what dog-specific TV show would you produce? Dogglebox. What would be the theme, concept, purpose of it? Mm. Oh, good question, mate. I felt like I should have sat down and thought about this one before jumping straight No, in. I like it when I, I just surprise you with it, so you have to say the most stupidest first thing that comes to your head. Ready? Go. Okay, I'm going for... I'm literally going to go straight off the top of my head. I'm going for a... A warts and all look at what it's like to own a puppy, but yeah, 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 but but it would be a diary format. So you know, like um, you know, like Big Brother, and they have the diary room. Yeah, or I would have a diary room. There would yeah. be there would be no puppy. So what it would be, you wouldn't see the dog at all. You'd just have. The person coming Ooh, in maybe okay. three times a day. Well, they'll probably come in more than that because they're escaping. Yeah. The puppy. <laughs> if the puppy is not in the diary room, then the person is going just to living be. there. Yeah, it's like the occasionally throwing crate. some food out the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the toy yeah. ah! just comes in a bit bloody and dishevelled every now and again. So the human side of puppy ownership—that's what I'd go oh, for. So nice it'd be—it would well. just be—it would just be periods of the day. So morning, feeling optimistic, less optimistic at uh, uh, midday. Yeah. Uh, crying, <laughs> bloodied, <laughs> crawling around in the evening, and it just repeat over the just course repeat. of yeah. I go up to up to uh, adolescence because then I'd want the the show to be re. What do they call it? I was going to say rescheduled. That's not the right word, is it? Repeated. Be picked up for season two. Oh that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recommissioned. Yes, recommissioned. Yes. That's it. Well done. Yeah. Well done. So yeah, well that's quite good off the top of my head. Yeah, that like was that. pretty good actually. Would I was these kind be of famous thinking people? naked attraction with dogs as well. You could do that, can you? Where it just goes up and you see, and you could just judge the people by their feet and their dog. <laughs> oh, so the people are naked and the dogs yeah. obviously naked. The dogs are, no, the dogs have got clothes on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Naked Attraction, but the dog is choosing their new owner. Based on? Based on how they... they... Their private smell. <laughs> 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 it's like the alternative matchmaking show. Oh, new God. Dog. This is gold. I'm so glad. I've never been so happy I've recorded something. <laughs> I'll be straight on the Channel 4 oh, after this. <laughs> I, I would also like um, a kind of... Um, you know, like Crime Watch, when they'd have a victim and their voice would be distorted. Yep. And they'd say it was really bad. Yep. I would like that, but with very famous people in the industry talking about the worst oh, thing that's ever happened okay. to them or the worst thing oh, they've done or I the like biggest that. mistake they've done. So, like, so it's kind of like, yeah, like there, there was that Simon Mayo show, wasn't there? Confessions. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that. You should have an actual, like, confessional box, like, yeah. uh, and you should dress like a priest. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you, my child. Tell me about your German Shepherd. No, we need a, we need fish in a little vicar's outfit. He looks so cute, little dog collar. This is gold. This yeah. is gold. We're wasted. Yeah, we're wasted putting out free podcasts. So anyone out there that is in the industry, yeah, who wants any one of those who wants shows, to do a confession. <laughs> and we did come out with Dogglebox, didn't we? Yeah, at we one did point. come out with Dogglebox, which which apparently has been... has now been stolen by um, yeah. that dude that does the voice of Love Island. Yeah, so you can't, you can't, we can't do that anymore, no, unfortunately. True. So this is why we need to, we should trademark those before we put this out. Yeah, true. Because he's probably listening. He's probably going to steal these. Buy the domains. Well. Yeah. Doggy diary room. <laughs> is it called? Um. Uh, confessions. Naked attraction. Nay, 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 naked at nay. No, no. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, great question. question, Greg. Thank yeah. you.
Don't steal any of those ideas, Greg. We'll be no. after you. Greg's got a bike, a new bike. I think it's a new bike. I don't know. I saw a picture of a, of a new motorbike. It looked very, it looked like the sort of uh, like one you'd go across America in or something. You know what I mean? Like proper oh, really? easy rider like style big... bike. I'm hoping he'll let me get on the back one day. And I just hold, just around, hold, on hold to his him. waist. Just hold on. Gently nuzzling in <laughs> to the back as we drive across Route 66. Oh, that would make a lovely film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Greggy Greg, thank you very much. I'm moving over to Facebook now. Oh. Where we have our, our uh, lovely bookshelvers. We've got one from Diana. Mm-hmm. Hello, Diana. I did peek this one, actually. This is the one that I peeked. It was brilliant. Is there noise on this video? If you hold it up towards the mic, you can. You'll be able to. Oh, on the video that I didn't. I didn't. I watched it with the sound down, so I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> Nat likes this one. Okay, so I don't know if you heard that, but that is one of Diana's um, dogs, Dee uh, Dee, being. A complete lunatic, <laughs> and Diana's asking, "Are zoomies normal?" Um, yes, and it's uh, absolutely adorable. Mm. And I would say that um, your your little um, Scotty is doing the best job of pretending that Dee Dee is is really boring and and <laughs> trying to stop her from engaging or trying to engage him in play. There's a bit, a couple of lip licks, a couple of looking away, just generally standing still, looking very nonchalant, while Dee Dee just runs around going, come on, look how fun it is to run around. It's adorable little video, isn't it? Absolutely adorable. adorable. I think um, some people worry, didn't they? I, I have heard before, like in terms of Zoomies being used as sort of maybe displacement behaviours and yeah. that kind of thing. I think people worry about that, don't they? Yeah, and it can be. Mm. I mean, like anything... What what's normal for your dog is mm. is normal for them, not necessarily every every dog. Um, if I was seeing that my dog was getting the zoomies after every meal, for example, I might look mm. at what I was feeding them and you know whether they've they've got some discomfort there or cut out the sherbet dib dabs. Get, yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> don't soak their kibble in coke. <laughs> um, and, um, so all right, Rishi Sunak. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'd just keep tabs on it, but but that there just looks looks adorable. adorable play. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, completely. That's basically um, the the doggy equivalent of me wanting to go out to play at the pub and my friends trying to be sensible and, and not wanting to go. That's what's happening. <laughs> I've been there, <laughs> <laughs> seen it live. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. That was lovely. Yeah, good question. Okay. Oh, this is a tricky one. Nikki Warner. Mm, I haven't seen this one. Raw versus vegan. The majority of us know that we humans don't need to eat meat to get the nutrients we need. We just need to go direct to the source because if we eat meat, we're in turn just eating what they've been eating plus a whole load of chemicals mixed in, no doubt. That's a very good summary of <laughs> a, a, a meter diet. Um, so although I'll feed a species-appropriate diet, could a dog go vegan, meaning less animals slaughtered and kinder to our planet and, of course, the animals? Um, Renat has to talk about this one. <laughs> yeah. We should... We should uh, 
we try very very hard uh, on our podcasts to like really not be well we're not that judgmental i don't i hope people think that not on sort air. of thing no not on that um yeah and hey look this is a podcast for all but i don't i think most people know that both nat and i you know eat a plant-based diet but yeah so well this is definitely a question for you i'm gonna sit back and this <laughs> every day's a school day for steve so um so yeah um yeah so i think this is what we're going to be doing with pact actually looking at how people can reduce their environmental impact mm. if they're living with companion animals because if you do care about the planet and you care about all the other species um in the world then we have to look at well whether we should be having pets at all that's another I ethical know. debate you know um and uh i i feed my dogs um a kind of mix of uh, vegan kibble. It's kind of 99.99% vegan. So it's, it's basically sort of compressed uh, vegetable kibble. And then um, whatever I kind of pick up as a topper, whether that's then uh, uh, bits and bobs from the, the cheap section in Tesco's mm. that might be um, meat, uh, extra veg, you know, they have a really well balanced diet, mm. I think, and they they all enjoy their food and they do really well on it. Um, I'm not preaching. I don't like to get involved in the, no. the politics of Who what would? you feed your dog because it's a personal choice. Goodness so me, so tribal oh, as well. Yeah. Emotive, tribal. You get you yeah. start walking into those sort of forums and things like that, and sort of like gang of people on one side with their pitchforks, gang of people yeah. on the other, and no one's learning anything. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Linda Case has yes. got the... Lovely Linda the right. Case. Hi, Linda. She's got the right way forward, um, which is just to, to follow the science and mm. not to, um, you know, stick your flag in, a, in the ground anywhere particular. Um, but also, having said that, I am involved in some research with the University of Winchester with um, my lovely um, boss there, Andrew Knight, Professor Andrew Knight, and he is promoting uh, plant-based pet foods um, and trying to increase um, understanding by using research and data that mm. actually looks at the ingredients in a lot of the um, foods that are available to our dogs. But actually so, using research and data? What, what is this approach? Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I know. Hold on to your hat. God but almighty. There's been a couple not, of years, hasn't there? Yeah, it's oh. not an opinion. No? It's actual facts but my auntie doris on facebook <laughs> she uh she says something else yeah mm, yeah we've had a year of that haven't we folks yeah without wanting to get so, go too far down that rabbit hole. there's there's a great uh website with um that andrew set up so i'll post that on our page mm. and then you can have a read through um nikki and see what you think but i you know do what you feel comfortable with mm. and and what your dogs thrive on um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. No. Because if you're worried about the amount of animals being slaughtered to, to feed your pet dogs, then, I don't know, have a veggie meal with them for a couple of days a week or something. Make mm. sure it's all nutritionally balanced and, you know, that's where you do it properly with, a, you know, a nutritionist um, like Linda um, in mind. And, yeah, just don't get sucked into the... Uh, oh, 
Oh, I, I got. We got. I'll tell you what else I should do in my news. We got a new van. Um, we got. Oh, yeah. We got an electric van. So I was excited about that. It's exactly the same van as Nat and Jay have yeah, got. Yeah, we look. So like we now have a fleet. Troop. Yeah. Got a little fleet of vans with our little pack logo on the yeah. back. That's exciting. So that's making me feel um, really good about short little journeys around and stuff, which is nice. Um, that was a good swap in terms of your carbon footprint as well, because. Your other van was quite big, wasn't it? Yeah. Big diesel. Old Dirty Bertha. Yes. Yep. <laughs> she is a right old, Aww. big old dirty girl. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Yeah, lovely. Right, okay. Uh, this one's for you, Steve. This is from Emma Stedman. So, oh, Emma. Hello, Emma. Um, health checks. Looking at paws, ears, teeth, nails, skin, coat. Is this a must that every owner should be able to do and do it regularly? If it's too late to habituate to this, is it a must to train or a preference to train? I wonder how many pet parents actually do a check weekly. With dogs who don't accept touch, how important is this aspect aspect to work, work towards? Uh, it's hugely important. Um, I... I, I'm 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 fairly lucky with both of my dogs. In fairness, they're pretty good. Penny has big issues with her paws in terms of being handled, which we are working our way through. It's a con that that's a forever job. That's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. a forever yeah. one. Because, um, because, like Emma says, you've missed the moment to yeah, habituate to things like that for yeah. sure. So, I mean, if you're looking from a puppy aspect, it, it's one of our classes. Um, that's been doing really well online, actually. Um, and the online classes is a handling, um, handling and body language class. Um, for that very reason, um, I think everyone's been guilty in the past of just leaving things until it's too late a lot of the time, um, especially with dental care. Um, so if you've got a puppy, you start as you mean to go on, obviously. Yeah. Um with older dogs, it gets a little bit more complicated, doesn't it? Because you, you've you got to take into account their stress levels, um, whether they're enjoying it. I mean, I know you and Drax, you know, it took a long time for him to be able to get some of those mats out of his coat and stuff. Yeah, and um, also, I mean, he stank, he was stressed, mm. his coat was a mess. All you want to do is give him a bath, mm. <laughs> you know. But actually, I think that probably would have been a bit detrimental to our, our relationship. Yeah. And, so you weigh it up. Yeah. And also, don't forget that you can do everything perfectly um, and then something happened along the way. Mm. And so with Gru, for example, we had him from when he was quite young. Mm. So I did have a chance to do all the, the puppyish stuff. I used to brush him every day. I could, you know, clip his nails. It was brilliant. Um, then he had a run-in with a wasp's nest yeah. and I had to get the wasps out of his coat by using a brush and he's really, he just got completely sensitised. Mm. So it's, I'm having to build that back up, but I'll be honest, you know, it's it's been years and um, I do little bits here and there and it's something that I'm conscious of, I should probably do some more of, but... It stresses him out, mm. you know, um, and so it has kind of fallen down the list, really, especially when you then think, I've got other things to work on as well, mm. like yeah. um, him, you know, being okay with his annual boosters and all that kind of stuff. You've only got a certain amount of time in the day, really. For sure. So, uh, we, like, like we always say in this, don't we? We carry all of these guilts about all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, got enough guilt to start our own religion sometimes yeah. when it comes to working with dogs. But it's... Uh, 
It, yeah, I mean, look, you work with the dog in front of you, don't you? Yeah. That's the thing. So uh, is it important? Yeah, it's hugely important. The benefits of having a dog that is comfortable with with having teeth cleaned and being groomed and having nails clipped and all of that things are, are massive. Yeah. They're massive. Yeah. But, you know, run it through the filter of how comfortable is my dog with all of these things. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, bad handling can be a massive, aversive mm. experience that can leave deep-seated, you know, paw yeah. prints. Um, it really damaged your relationship. It, yeah, really. it took... It took us a good couple of years with Jack, for example, to be able to to brush him for more than a couple of minutes at a time. Um, and now, you know, years down the line, um, he I can clip him. Mm. You know, um, I never thought that would be possible when we first got him. He would just turn into a, a biting frenzy and try and escape because it was so scary for him. Um, so, yeah, definitely something to to prevent issues from forming but if issues have formed then don't beat yourself up too much about it just do some some good stuff in the right Bits direction and, and yeah get sue williamson's book yeah exactly taking yeah. the girl yeah. out of grooming you've got to say it like that that's official <laughs> i know I, I, emma's a groomer uh, yes, she and is, yeah. um i would also um hannah uh sagrove um their their think dog patreon page was it dog training with Hannah and Taz? Like whichever, but they do a lot of... They do um, loads of husbandry stuff, don't yep, they? Yeah, some fantastic stuff there. Also, Peter Gilgem. You want to see husbandry? Yeah. Join the Zoo Spenceful Facebook page. He's been a guest on the podcast before, but, you, you know, you you know, you know, want to see him be able to do things like, you know, stick cameras down a sea lion's throat and stuff like that with yeah, them being happy to do it. Blood it's, draw with a lion. Yeah, it's in, they're, they're doing incredible stuff yeah. over there. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, good question. Yeah, I like it. Good and what's it like um, imbued? She's imbued, I think, Emma. Oh, no. Nice. I love that beach. That's lovely. Oh, yeah. um, she's also asked us a question about coats. Um, and I, I have no idea. And I would like Emma to come and explain about different coat lengths and mm. which should be clipped and... I don't feel qualified to answer whether there was a, <laughs> whether I do remember there was a whole, okay. there was a furor a furor on Facebook a couple of years ago and it comes up again every time it gets warm doesn't it because I I uh, and again not qualified to talk on this so maybe I shouldn't be talking about it right now but I know there was something about like sometimes sometimes shaving your down is in detriment to the heat the loss or something um, yeah but I'd need to look into that it's kind of a double coat so which works mm. like a keeping them cool as well as keeping them warm when they need to. I did to. see, I, I'm on a, I normally stay away from breed-specific Facebook pages, but I have joined one about new fees. Because uh, it's quite nice, actually. It's not too bad. But there was someone put a post up the other day saying, show us all your shaved new fees. And all of these pictures <laughs> cropped up. Oh, of my goodness. Some of them that just look like giant Labrador. Like, I mean, yeah. it was incredible. But one bloke had shaved everything apart from sort of like the neck up of his dog. Like a lion. It did. It looked like quite with a impressive. big mane. Yeah, but they were all saying you know, on there. I mean, look, this is anecdotal, secondhand, whatever. But they were all saying on there that their dogs are like a lot less panty, a lot more comfortable. Um, yeah. But I don't know. You know. No, um, I don't know enough yeah. about it, Emma. Emma, Sorry, you tell really, us. Yeah, you tell us. Yeah. It's a really interesting subject. So maybe one we can come back to when we get another another groomer or Sue, sure. Sue writes another book mm. or release their course. Okay, uh, two more. So, uh, we've got the lovely Mandy with Bosco. Ah, yes. <laughs> Bosco. Bosco. So, uh, when he meets a new dog normally, um, 
by accident. I understand he's over threshold and excited, but straight away he tries to hump them. Why does he do this? He's been neutered and people don't like it or the dogs. Um, any advice on this would, would help, please. Thanks, guys. Hmm. Humpity humping. Humpity hump, 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 hump. So, yeah, I mean, I think over threshold there is kind of uh, that's the key there, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's, uh, it's something you see a lot. Male dogs, female dogs, mm-hmm. um, in those sort of situations. Um, what would you say? Where calming, trying to calm things down, expressing, or just outwardly, oh, I don't know what to do, and then suddenly I've. Yeah, I mean, think of us coming out of uh, COVID lockdowns, and mm. you know we've kind of forgotten how to people. And... I saw a video. I saw a video of Newcastle last night. I just shouldn't really be laughing, but they had Didn't a count. They, open, they had a countdown. They nightclubs at midnight yeah so it's oh, like God. 10 9 8 and then <laughs> and it's just everyone's cuddling <laughs> oh and licking God. each other's faces and stuff yeah. like that. so i imagine that's similar to what right. ross goes up to yeah yeah basically yeah <laughs> um and i think mandy's touched on on something that is kind of more widely uh misinterpreted mm. which is that humping is about sex mm-hmm. and it's not always about sex it can be a displacement activity it can be a way of the dog trying to regulate their emotions um it can be a way of uh you know an outlet for some sort of arousal not necessarily sexual arousal um and you'll often see dogs that do it that they they kind of can't cope in this situation and then they'll go and find their favorite cushion or their toy Mm. that they'll hump um so uh, i mean management really is is the key if it's just with other dogs um surprise but, ones are difficult though I oh, surprise you're saying, ones yeah. are difficult i mean that, that's a whole nother podcast yes. isn't it <laughs> um but yeah i think um the the difficult thing is is that usually when you meet a dog on a walk like that um you kind of rush away because hmm. you're a bit maybe embarrassed and you want to deal with the situation but actually you know hanging around maybe doing some some scatter feeding if it's um if it's appropriate and the other dog uh is is going to hang around so lots of just sort of standing and watching so that he doesn't have to uh you know dogs aren't so much of a novelty yeah i know you know that's something with bosco that he he just gets himself those meetings Quite can be excited. intense, can't yeah, they? Especially yeah. if you just come around a corner, there's a dog right there, and then your initial feeling as an owner so often is like shorten the lead up, yeah, get yeah. me in, and then you're building up that intenseness even more, and then the likelihood of the humping happening gets even yeah. greater. And yeah. yeah, before you know it, you're in that little dance that we all do, isn't it? Um, difficult, but yeah. yeah, I'm with you. A little bit of uh, watching from a distance, scatter feeding, keeping it calm so that dogs don't become too much of a... Woo! Yeah. No loitering, Mandy. <laughs> no loitering. No, no licking people's faces in, in yeah. uh, Newcastle. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, last one from Hannah. She's recently read How Stella Learned to Talk by Christina Hunger. She taught her dog Stella to talk using buttons, which the dog pressed. We've all seen this on TikTok. Uh, I'm hungry. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I yeah. have seen this. So yeah. Hannah's asking, do dogs need to talk in this way or is their own system of communication enough? That's a really interesting. I remember reading something. I think it's Clive Wynne wrote something about Stella. Um I mean, putting the question to one side for a minute, I, I, I mean, is Stella talking? Hmm. hmm. I do a section of this on the on the, uh, 
degree that I teach mm. and I show a, a African grey parrot mm. that is seemingly having a conversation with their owner, caregiver. Um, and I ask the students to think about, is this a conversation mm. or is it a cued response? Yeah. There's such a difference between saying a word and in and language. I mean, the the, yeah. the the gap is huge. And of course, we don't. We're still finding out what dogs, you know, what they're capable of and how they're learning and all those sorts of things. But most of those stellar videos I've seen, I haven't. I'll be honest, I haven't watched them. Thought they're having a conversation. It'd be interesting to read the book. Um, yeah. I I also there's there's another factor, isn't it? The you remember we talked about this before. Clever hands, the horse. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That a lot of the time you find that the owners in some way are cueing or yeah. or, or, or interpreting. Because when we hear a word, we we take all of that baggage. Like if, she, if Stella accidentally presses the button, I'm hungry or whatever it is, yeah. then immediately we're like, oh, she must be hungry. You know, it goes straight into your brain. So it, you, you can cue things without knowing you're cueing things. You can then interpret things different. I remember there was um, the gorilla's name, the sign language. Coco, Coco, very famous. But they found out a lot of the time that the handler would interpret what she said. I remember there's a classic about where she kept saying nipple, kept kept signing nipple, nipple, yeah. nipple to people, and the and the handler was going, no, she means people, she means people. But there was no way of knowing that she no. meant that. She might have, she might very well have meant show me your nipples. You know what I mean? Like you know. So there's a, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with it, isn't there? Um, Completely. And you, we can't help but fill in the blanks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we d do that with my little niece as well. Mm. She's not quite there with her her sentence formation yet. Mm. And so you, you fill in the blanks. Yeah. I think, you know, to try and teach different species um, our method of communicating, so verbal communication, is a very egotistical and anthrocentric view of the world and one that i don't sit entirely comfortably in and that answers the question really yeah, doesn't it? do they I need to they have a perfectly good way of communicating yeah, and it's our why, responsibility yeah. to learn that rather than the other way around exactly. um exactly. but yeah interesting i would be interested to read that book yeah yeah really good um, point, Anna. let us know what it was like mm. yeah. okay thanks guys oh, there were some really good questions there hopefully we uh, didn't waffle too much so, um, shall we move on? Yeah, let's go for it. Oh, there we go then. Good to be back. We've also been joined by the uh, naked beer fairy. He's trying to run away. Ooh, Ooh. he's flashing us. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Goonies? Shuffle. Hey, you guys. Uh, wonderful. Good to be back. That Lovely. Was good fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, nice sand garden. Maybe this will be our summer venue. Yeah. Summer studio. Al fresco barks from the bookshelf. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. The mics are pretty good. So I don't know if anyone will hear the little the little birdie sounds because they're quite yeah, directional. You'll have to let us know if you can. I might add just add it. some bird. What like. Amazonian yeah. rainforest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lion roaring. <laughs> oh, I'm tempted. That's very tempting. Um, so, uh, well, you know where to find us, folks, if you need us. Um, remember, come and check out um, packed-dogs.com. 
um, our mm-hmm. new venture. Um, if you know anyone that wants to become a dog trainer and be the best they can be, <gasps> come and join. Join. Take the pact. Um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It's... And we've got some more general interest sort of webinars coming up, haven't we, that are a bit... Yeah. They're, they're shorter and... Um, a lower price point. Yeah, we'll post those up on the page so anyone that's interested can come and have a watch if you can't get enough of us talking. Yeah. Um uh yeah, I think uh I think that's it. I think we've we've yeah, we've done our questions. We've talked about the book. Done. Let us know what you think Ticked about the book. Boxes. Um we'll just get busy organising some more interviews of the lovely authors that we have in mind. Yeah, so. for throw us some ideas. If you've got books that you've read and things like that, yeah. we're always up for ideas. Um we have got some I am in the process of trying to secure a very, very big interview indeed, but mm, no no spoilers yet, but I am in the process of trying to do it. You tease. I know. I do like a little tease. Uh, says, no, says, no teasing. No teasing, Mousy. Um, so uh, we leave you in the capable hands of Grant Sharkey to sing us out. Yes. Um, I think this song is needed more now than ever, <laughs> isn't it? Definitely. Um, and we will see you all next time. Stay safe. Bye. Atoms collide, ourselves divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this right, has just begun. Stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down.
I wish a kiss you can keep me down, you know, and I can keep you down, I know, and it won't be kept down.